Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. I am your host, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and I am super excited to have our wonderful guest today, Miss Michelle Whitman and Mary Liz McNamara. They are really going to talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically in those with disabilities as you guys know I have a daughter that is very medically complex and um, many of you have heard my journey of how I didn't really even have a connection to persons that had unique abilities or disabilities and really had to learn very quickly what I needed to do to not only be an advocate but really pave the way for her to be included whether that's in a school setting, healthcare setting and everything in between. But I kind of want to kind of take real quick and uh, talk to you about our sponsor. So this episode is brought to you by ATW Health Solutions. ATW Health Solutions is a Chicago-based healthcare advisory and consultant firm that has gained national recognition for transforming healthcare delivery systems from ordinary to best in class. At ATW Health Solutions, we use a data-driven, evidence-based approach to make healthcare better by focusing on improving quality, safety, and most important, health equity in organizations and government agencies. Simply put, we create and implement innovative solutions for the right problems and the right people. So welcome, welcome, Michelle and Mary Liz. I would love for you to introduce yourselves. Michelle, why don't we start with you? Amazing, thank you so much. Desiree, we're thrilled to be here. Uh, My name is Michelle Whitman. Um, My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm coming to you from New York. Um, I'll I'll kick it over to Mary Liz to give a brief introduction, and then I'll take it to tell you a little bit about who we are and where we come from. Oh, awesome, awesome. Mary Liz, introduce yourself. I will. Thank (laughs) I was waiting for someone to... Thank you. Mary Liz McNamara, pronouns are she, hers, and I am podcasting in, streaming in from Vermont, right on the shores of Lake Champlain. So it's oh, lovely beautiful. 
And I have to say that it is nice and cool with low humidity. So I don't need to rub that into other people who are in oh. other places, but it is pretty swell right here. Awesome. Michelle, we're awesome, awesome. thrilled to be here. Michelle's going to talk a little bit about our company and then we're going to take it from there. Michelle. Yeah, awesome. Yes, please, you know, share with our listeners, you know, all about, I know that you guys kind of have a company, Asset Based Consulting, correct? That's and it. And so I wanted to kind of really, you talk about like, tell us what that is and really talk about that journey of what you saw to even create this company. Amazing. So thank you. Um, it's interesting, Mary Liz and I both started our, or not started, uh, spent a significant amount of our journey up until this point sitting in the higher education space. And um, years ago, at the beginning of my journey, I worked at a couple of different universities um, in the New York area. And, and we would work with students that had non-apparent or invisible disabilities like um, uh, dyslexia, OCD, ADHD, and dysgraphia. And there was this concept that if you carried like a diagnosis that was like a non-apparent disability, and it, it you, you couldn't both have a disability and be smart. Mm. And so there was a question around like in the college campus space of like, how does that even work? And, and, and it does that person have the capacity or the capability or are they deserving of, of, of a space here on yeah. campus? And so we spent a lot of time at the very beginning um, as um, in my work, changing the culture and changing the trajectory and changing, um, you know, increasing access for students in higher education. So a lot of that was around um, making sure students started to see themselves and see their disabilities as assets. Um, coming into themselves, feeling more comfortable with themselves, understanding their disability and how it impacted like their learning. And then also working on the university side to help onboard teachers and professors to 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 um to shift the culture around mm -hmm. really neutralizing disability and saying, you know what, you yeah, of course you, you can have a disability, a non-apparent disability, and also be um smart and also yeah. be ready to learn and eager to learn and 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 you you are worthy of a seat at the table there. Fast forward um, a couple of years, you know, our students would graduate and they would get jobs. But a couple of years ago, students started coming out of the woodwork and reaching back out to me and saying, you know, I have one student in particular who called me and he, you know, he would get jobs, but he was un unable to sustain work because mm -hmm. the employers were not set up for in an inclusive way. Yeah. So he said, you know, Michelle, um, I love you. I love what you did for me in college, but you failed me because I can't stay and maintain a job. So um, and he said, it's not me. It's that the companies see my disability as a detriment, not as an asset. Mm. So we started to, as those calls started coming in, you know, we started to say like, wow, this is a problem. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a significant problem that the workforce and, and the workplace culture is not, is not ready. And um, and out of that, asset-based consulting was born to solve for that, to solve and make sure, you know, um, uh, the corporate culture, the corporate spaces, organizational spaces, school spaces, that spaces really see um, and believe that disability is is an asset. And so that's that's our. I'll kick it over to you, Mary Liz. Um, but really, that's where it came from. We identified a problem, and similar to. You know, your sponsor ATW, we're here to provi provide sustainable solutions in that space. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think what really um, is so much 
What needs to be done now is a shift from this idea that it's the it's the responsibility of the person with disabilities or the, their family. All the burden is on them mm -hmm. to justify the need, to advocate for the need, to you know ask for, apply for, be qualified for research. All of that that responsibility for getting a fair access to education, employment, healthcare, mm -hmm. all that falls on like the person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's always, it, it, it's like, I need something. Mm -hmm. And you have to convince this organization. Yeah. You know, give yeah. me what I need, include me. I mean, I always come back to the word, you know, when we're talking about inclusion, mm -hmm. we're just talking about very simply about being included in the process, just basic, mm -hmm. I get a shot at it. So I think we're, Michelle and I have really, you know, we were singing the same tune for years, was this idea, it's not just the responsibility of the people with disabilities or their families mm -hmm. to advocate for this. This is, this is every single person's responsibility. This is every organization's responsibility to include mm -hmm. with disabilities, not just at the point of, you know, like I can't get in the door, I can't read this piece of paper, I can't understand what my doctor is saying, but when you're when you're figuring out a system, when you're starting a business, when you're starting a new process, that you want to include planning for people with disabilities from the very beginning. Mm. And so so our focus is not just on, you know, getting the people with disabilities to get what they need, not just being an ally to them, but being yeah. an ally to everybody else mm -hmm. in that organization who needs to shift. Yeah, shift and, in the culture. Yeah. And yeah, shift. and that really resonates with me because um, my daughter will be 15 um, in September, but I can tell you because, right, she's deaf, so we have that layer. She um, has some mobility issues, um, a little slight uh, cognitive delay. But the point you made about the patient and family having to own that responsibility to kind of be not only like this walking, talking, um, DEI educator, but uh, walking, talking, EHR, it's, it's, it's so many layers to it. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that um, position, when you're trying to like manage your health and, you know, deal with the insurance issues, like the, everything else is like, oh my goodness. And then I have to add this other layer of taking on the responsibility to educate others to include, be inclusive. Right. It can be a bit um, overwhelming. So, you know, I really love that point that you brought up because, you know, it's the responsibility of the healthcare ecosystem, the whole environment in communities to really provide that inclusive environment. But I really think a lot of them want to do, they just don't know how to do or right. have the tools and resources to kind of know where to start. So it's like, oh, this is just too much. I can't do it. And they just move on, on yeah. to the next. <laughs> Yeah, and, and we, I mean, one a lot of the conversations that we have with organizations 
are, you know, we what we don't want to do is just talk about what you legally have to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, we don't want to leave it as a compliance issue. Like this is what you have to do. Like disability equals hassle. Mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. oh I, I i don't want to deal with that it's just a, everyone's overwhelmed we're talking about take a minute and let and teach people mm -hmm. almost to talk about disability to yeah. think about yeah. disability and to include disability in your talking and thinking and organizing within your company Mm -hmm. you no, know, it's like just this very basic conversation that needs to happen if we're going to pull people, if we're going to include, truly include people with disabilities and their families yeah. in the processes. And, and part of the power to what both you and Mary Liz are saying is that, you know, we go by the statistic of like approximately one in four people have a disability at some point, but it's actually like 51 or 52% of people either identify as a person with a disability or are closely connected to someone who does. Wow. And that 51, 52% is an incredible capture. Yes. Right? And yeah. so when we start to tell companies or we start to engage with companies about talking about disability and starting to see how we can become more inclusive and put action steps into place, and really whether it's around personal responsibility or team responsibility or you know, organization-wide actions, we have the buy-in of 52%, you right. know, 51 52%, and that's significant. So mm -hmm. we're in a beautiful, we're really positioned beautifully mm -hmm. to, to really engage in this work. Um, because again, Desiree, based on, 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 on your share, you mm -hmm. fall into that category of somebody who they themselves might not have a disability, but mm -hmm. you are a caregiver of, a friend of, a mother of, a mm -hmm. child of, a sibling of. And so disability inclusion matters to you too. Yep. And so we really have this beautiful um, opportunity here to mm -hmm. not only teach, but to really make sustainable changes in terms of disability inclusion and really creating spaces that are not only at that bottom rung of in terms of like actual accessibility, but mm -hmm. also above and beyond that in terms of of really being in really truly being inclusive um and and to your point people don't know how yeah they want to it's scary um part of it is around you know when when someone names a particular disability we all come with assumptions yeah uh, under our, our under our belts about that so mary liz and i will often say you know when you've met one person who is and name mm -hmm. them, You've only met one person who is <laughs> correct. Absolutely. Yes, that's and absolutely so. true. Absolutely true. You yeah. know, and and that really also. So this is like if those listening know, like this is my jam. This they know I'm like a fierce <laughs> advocate. But we encounter that because my daughter's on a trait and she's vented and she's on a significant amount of support. So people automatically assume that her cognitive level is very low. And, and and I'm just like, she's just a regular, typical 14 year old. She's got this machine that breathes for her, but she likes to play the Nintendo Switch and she wants to go to school with her peers and be included in community activities. 
And I can't tell you, I have one particular thing I want to share and it just, it, it stuck with me. So my daughter loves to dance, right? She loves music. She loves to dance. And so I went around and I was trying to find like a dance school company or something for her. And I call on the phone and I tell them who she was and they'd be like, oh, great. You know, we have a uh, special needs uh, activity. I was like, great. We'll go see. We walk in there. They see her in her chair. They see the trach in the vent. And I can't tell you how many people turned us away. Oh, we don't have the, and I'm just like, all she wants to do is dance. Like, really? So it's those type of experiences. And for me, like, I'm a bulldog. I'm going to keep going. But I think about other families that are just so beaten down and bewildered that that encounter, they go home, they stay in their homes, and they don't come back out. Because they tried, and they were hit with this brick wall. And so, you know what? It didn't work. And it's like, you got to see past all the bells and whistles, right? Persons with disabilities, they're people just like everybody else. Right? It's like when Michelle was talking about assumptions. I mean, you know, we talk about the barriers and what's the accessibility. And a lot of it is just like, you know, can somebody get in the door? Is there a ramp? Is there an accessible door? Or is, is there access to the website? Is there all that? Yeah. And these are very important things. And I, I'm not minimizing that. But the people's assumptions about disabilities are the biggest barrier mm-hmm. of it all mm-hmm. and, and i think that's where this talking and having people you know go through what's your reaction when you see this mm-hmm. what is your assumption about people with disabilities that is hard work it is absolutely absolutely essential mm-hmm in order to provide access, real access. Yeah, yeah. And I think doing so in a way, you know, when, when Mary Liz and I are working with 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 people and organizations, we do it in a way where we're modeling it and showing them that we we are ableist also. We're constantly making assumptions as we go and we're constantly doing this hard work. It's, it's not stagnant work. Mm-hmm. You know, building one's capacity around disability inclusion is ever changing because the landscape is ever, ever changing. Um, but what you talked about in terms of the dance, the, the dance school ex- experience is something that's beautiful, particularly for Mary Liz and I, I know I'm speaking on your behalf, so you can cut me off Mary Liz at any point, but really it's when we start to think in, in a way where we can start to design um, mm-hmm. and create solutions, um, it, it's it's constant innovation, but there's a space for us to be creative. Mm-hmm. And, and really, if we can withhold that assumption, right, and replace judgment with curiosity, oh, I then love we can create solutions that look different, that feel different, that experience different, and can be truly inclusive for everyone, right? So. Part of the love, part of the work that when Mary Liz and I are working with companies around, well, let's kind of like ideate, like where are there potential barriers that a person with disabilities may face here? And then how can we creatively problem solve around that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? 
And when you think about like a good example is if you have a building where they're just stairs for the entryway and 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 somebody's done that creative problem solving and has said, okay, we could put a ramp there, right? Mm -hmm. But it's that same creativity around problem solving and design, universal design that we bring in or inclusive design that we bring in that, you know, we can create an accessible and inclusive experience for your child in, in a to, to dance. And we're all better for it, right? It is, it is. And I love what you said. You know, there's like, and every, our listeners, you you guys know this, if, unless you've been living in a cave, the buzz is diversity, equity, and inclusion, health, equity, diversity. Everybody has positions and they put it on their websites and they're making a commitment to equity. But what you touched on is really that strategic planning. Like we can say it, right? We can say, oh, we're we're promoting health equity. We're promoting DEI. But until you really bring that into your strategic planning of your company, organization, whatever that process that you're looking at, it's just words on a website, on a pamphlet. The proof is in the action. And that sustainability that you talked about is so important. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit of work on the front end. But let's roll up our sleeves and put the work in. And what beautiful, I tell people, when you plant the seeds, right? A beautiful garden will grow. It's not going to grow overnight. Right. But that garden will grow and grow and grow and keep going if you keep watering it. Yeah. The assumption is, you know, I'm thinking of the dance class and, and just to even have the conversation with the people who are planning the dance class that this mm -hmm. You have you have planned for a class for children without disabilities. Mm -hmm. Can you broaden the way that you think mm -hmm. and think from the very beginning, how will I, not can I, but how will I mm -hmm. be able to include students or children with disabilities mm -hmm. in this class? make it part of the way that you think about planning mm -hmm. not something you do when you have one child mm -hmm. with a disability in front of you but do yeah. that beforehand because it makes it a lot easier mm -hmm. you've already thought about it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's what we encourage like move, move that point of the discussion about inclusion from the point that somebody's in front of you mm -hmm. kind of like retrofitting something yeah Move that back. Mm -hmm. Have that discussion, even if it's just a discussion with yourself, from the beginning. And it is so that. much easier. I love that. Oftentimes we talk in healthcare transformation work, in any transformation work, about being proactive instead of being reactive. And I love um, that point that you made. And it's just like, I'm excited. Oh man, I, I'm excited. I wish I had you at that dance school with me when I went. <laughs> You're funny. We're here. Yes. Yeah, so we, you know, we do that with a lot of, of, of businesses, right. And a lot of, uh, even in healthcare spaces, Mary Liz and I went in and worked with, um, with, with the particular medical unit, you know, mm -hmm. at the of COVID, you know, where they identified like, Hey, We've identified a bunch of sticking points here right now. What can we yeah. do to 
um, remove the potential barriers that we're finding that are, are coming and are going to continue to come. And yeah. we got them with the creative problem solving, teaching them how to start to think through a lens of universal design, through disability inclusion, through um, different, you know, different potential points of friction. And, and we modeled how to how to remove it and then how proactively as we're designing new experiences, new programs, how can we be inclusive in terms of our design, you know? Yeah, I, I like so. that you gave that example. And so for, because I'm thinking about the different stakeholders that are on our listening, I would say um, community. So what are, so, so we talked about, um, in the college space that you guys have worked with. And you touched on a little bit about that healthcare space. Are there other examples of spaces that you wanna share that you've um, done this work in this space? So if those listen, be like, oh, I fit into that bucket, I will contact them. Cause I love that COVID. I mean, COVID, the one thing COVID did do was shine a light on all the inequities that we've all been beating the drum about, um, but it's kind of put the light on them. So I love that. Um, you talked about that, but is there any other spaces that we haven't discussed that you want to kind of highlight examples of? That's funny. So, uh, and Mary Liz, I'll kick it over here in a second, but you know, we actually, this work is, is universal work, right? So it's mm -hmm. any organization or business okay. that, that, um, it's twofold. One is we work with, with any um, business school organization setting where they have their customers facing, right? Okay. But anytime you're gonna have customer and external facing experiences, we want that consumer experience or that patient experience yeah. to be inclusive. And then on the other side, internally, we mm -hmm. want the employee, um, the internal experience to be inclusive and accessible as well. Mm -hmm. So we really, it sounds funny, but we're almost, we're, we're it's our work is agnostic. It, it, it's really, it's it's in. It, so we've done work in transportation space, in municipalities, in transit, in. Oh, wow. uh, I mean, it really is in small businesses. Big, yeah, large corporations, yeah. not for profit, um, just a just a wide variety <laughs> of organizations and types of organizations, um, and I think you know the work is really necessary in each mm -hmm. one of them and, and, and because the message really is every single person in the organization has to know about disability That's has, right. to, has to value people with disabilities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and their experience and has a role to play mm -hmm. you know it, it's like a necessary part of being in an organization it's not just the hr reps goal yeah. you know it's not just something that's relegated to the people who deal with the accommodation process mm -hmm. and it is really an integral part of the organization um and and i you know we were talking before about kind of reaching critical mass these yeah. conversations about disability when when people acknowledge that they have a disability or have a family member who has disability, all of that is part of the soup as well. Because okay. people hear it and then they understand this is real. Yeah, it's, it's like shifting the culture, shifting the culture. You know, we say that all the time in many different spaces, but it really is shifting that culture of thinking. Like instead of when you see me walking 
in the mall and I'm pushing my daughter's wheelchair instead of turning away and not wanting to engage because your fear, right? You haven't seen anything like this before. Just wave, say hello, just like you would do anybody else. And so, yeah, I, I, I just, I love that. I love that. So for those that are listening, right? So I want to kind of think about words of advice. So if you had some words of advice for providers, community stakeholders, even patients or self-advocates, you know, how could you, what would you say to them to, to begin to develop, right? Like the first step to develop in a more inclusive environment in whatever space that is. What would you say? What would be a little nugget of advice? Cause I can imagine people are scared, right? People, a lot of time fear promotes hesitancy and you're afraid of what you don't know and the unknown, or you just, you know, what, what advice would you give them to just kind of jump off the ledge and say, I'm going to start and make this an inclusive environment. Kind of the most important thing I think of is watch your own assumptions. That's maybe one thing, but when you are talking to somebody who is disclosing to you that they have a disability, to ask them if there are any accommodations that would make the experience easier for them. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just simply make sure that that information is at the tip of your tongue, mm-hmm. that it's not difficult for you to say, that you don't say it in a way that uh, is overly fearful or mm-hmm. shocked or you know scared, but you're all say, saying, if you have a disability, we welcome you here. Is there an accommodation that might make your experience with us better? Yeah. Just that simple conversation. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Michelle, you, you're busting at the seams. I see I'm busting because it's like sometimes Mary Liz and I, I mean, we spend a lot of time. To, we spend a lot of time together. But yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, come from a place of curiosity instead of judgment mm-hmm. and ask, you know, and, and stay neutral. Right. So frequently people will 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 say that they have a, a particular disability. And again, our minds jump, our judgment jumps. So just neutralize it and then really at the tip of your tongue, be ready with a question. For me, I usually say, what can we do to help you be successful? Mm, I love that. Simple, mm. but so powerful, powerful. So before we get into how people can contact you for your services, is there anything, any points that you feel like we need to add or anything that we missed anything you know any last thoughts about this whole topic we have reached a point here where mm-hmm. we have people's attention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we are making the most of this and part of it has to do with with um covid and the pandemic and people mm-hmm. everybody's world you know blew up for a while yeah Part of it has to do with adding disability to the DEI discussion. Mm-hmm. That accessibility is part of it. But mm-hmm. whatever it is, now is the time. I think there are, you know, points through history, but now is one of those times mm-hmm. where change and meaningful change is possible. And so I am excited and happy about what's going to happen in the next few years in terms of disability inclusion and access 
in healthcare and beyond. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Michelle, anything you want to add? You know, I mean, Mary Liz is on point with that. And, and you know, the takeaway when you when you ask about DE&I work being, you know, diver- all being the buzz and really, really, really wanting the work to stick, people, I would I would um, ask people to go back and look at the DE&I initiatives that are currently going on within their organization and really, really make sure um, and hold those initiatives accountable to include people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it really, it wasn't necessarily always part of the conversation prior to COVID, prior mm-hmm. to George Floyd's murder. And yeah. now with the resurgence, it is, we, we are here. We want, you know, the, the common phrases, you know, um, does everybody have a seat at the table? And one of uh, a very strong uh, disability ad, um, activist, Judith Human said, but is the table accessible? Right, that's right. And I even get to the damn table. So yeah. we really, yeah. we, um, it, it's time. This is the time. It's an exciting time. Again, that 51 to 52% of people is a significant it number is. of people who care and really believe that disability inclusion access, um, you know, that it matters. Yeah. So this is, a, this is an exciting time for us in our space right now. I, I love that. I love that. And, you know, I, it's, Again, you know, as those that are tuning in and sharing this podcast with their friends and families and colleagues, the time is now to get into action. Like we've talked and talked and talked and now it's time to, you know, people say, put your money where your mouth is. It's like, okay, we're talking now. It's time to get into action. So please share with our listeners and we'll also, um, for those tuning into the podcast, if you look at the copy that will accompany the podcast on our website, and whether you're streaming from iTunes or Spotify, you'll see their website will be included in there. But if you're driving in your car and you don't have that handy, how can um, persons interested in acquiring your services or just starting a consultation with you to see where this could go, how can they contact you guys? Well, we can give you emails, which is Mary Liz at Asset Based Consulting or Michelle at Asset Based Consulting. You can go to our website, assetbasedconsulting.com, and contact us through there. Anything else, Michelle, that I'm missing? Sure. We're also on Facebook. We have a Facebook present, Asset Based Consulting, as well as LinkedIn. You can find me, Michelle Whitman, on LinkedIn. And you can find Mary Liz on Link McNamara on LinkedIn, as well as Asset Based Consulting. So we are, um, we are we everywhere. Are, we, we are, are every, everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> awesome. And you know, as always, you guys know our listeners that you can contact us at Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, and we will definitely, if you don't have those emails and websites handy we'll definitely connect the dots. So I encourage you, and I'm going to challenge everyone listening to really take a step back and look at whether that's where you work, where you eat, where you pray, where you receive your health care. Take a step back and look at it and say, is this an inclusive environment? And if the answer is no, I would encourage you to reach out to Michelle Whitman and Mary Liz McNamara at SA Based Consulting and let them help you get there so we appreciate you from tuning in we appreciate you michelle and mary liz for taking the time to share with us and and embrace us with your wisdom and knowledge in this space we could not um, make this happen if it was not for the support 
of our founder and CEO, Dr. Natasha Washington. We really do truly appreciate her vision and support of the P-Pick podcast. And as always, guys, um, have a wonderful day and be engaged. Follow the P-Pick community online at atwhealth.com.